Coming up, news on Iran, North Korea. The Manafort trial begins today. Does anybody care? All right, so I went to buy a hat yesterday. I went to a certain hat store. I've been to it many times, and I really like it. They treat you really respectfully, courteously, give you a ton of attention, give you exactly what you need. Always a great experience. Anyway, so I asked the guy, the salesman, I said, what's the trick? My hats don't last as long as I'd want them to. They get all bent out of shape. They're still intact, but... They're all out of shape, and what's the secret? And he said to me, you know, a cheap hat could last a long time. An expensive hat can last a shorter time. He said it's really all about how you treat it, which I thought was interesting. And I said, I treat my hat pretty well, you know, but then I realized I leave it in a hot car. You know, it's very often. It's hard to avoid. And he said to me, he said, no, that's the worst thing. He said, a car can get up to 160 degrees inside of it in the summer. And he said to me, how would you feel sitting inside a 160 degree car? You wouldn't want that very much, right? Neither does your head. And I thought, all right, good point. Except then it occurred to me, you know, I wouldn't want to be sitting on somebody's head all day either, nor would I want to be stuffed into a box like a hat. So I I don't think I get treated exactly the same as a hat, but I do obviously see his point. And there you go. You even get hat advice here on the Yaakov M Show. All right, enough of that. The Wall Street Journal with a scathing editorial attacking President Trump for saying that he's going to shut down the government if he doesn't get a deal on immigration, if he doesn't get funding for the border wall. Now, the Wall Street Journal, I disagree with them on this, but I want you to hear their points. They want the same thing that we want. They want the House and the Senate to both stay red, to both stay Republican, and they think that Trump is going to actually drive voters to vote Democrat in the House and have Democrats take over. And here's their argument. They're saying that the Senate, there a bunch of senators who are running for re-election, Republicans, are in very pro-Trump districts and pro-Trump states. And therefore, if Trump shuts down the government for a wall and demands a wall, that's going to benefit the Senate. However, in the House, they're saying all it takes is 23 seats. If the Republicans lose 23 seats in the House, Democrats pick up 23 seats, the House changes hands. Here's what they're saying. There are lots of districts that are pro-Hillary districts. They actually voted for Hillary, and yet right now they have Republican Senate, uh, Republican congressmen in the House. So what the Wall Street Journal's point is that these very moderate and even leftist districts that have Republicans, they may vote Democrat if Trump angers them enough, and if they get outraged by a government shutdown, then they'll actually flip Democrat, and that could flip the seat. So they're saying Trump's strategy can help the Senate, where for the most part you have more pro-Trump right-wing voters, but in the House, we have a lot of moderates and even Democrat voters who sometimes swing Republican. That's going to be shaky if Trump shuts down the government. The, the Wall Street Journal is making a number of assumptions. They, they're saying, number one, the independent people in the pro-Hillary districts don't care about a wall. I'm not convinced. I believe a lot of moderate Democrats and even Hillary voters are interested in having a wall built. Obviously, a lot of Democrats, radicals are not, but it depends on the district. They're also assuming that people care about a shutdown. Voters don't care. We did shut down the government. We went through this a few months ago, and it actually blew up in Schumer and Pelosi's face. And the Wall Street Journal is also assuming that if there's a shutdown, that's going to make these people not vote Republican because they're going to be so upset about a shutdown that it's going to negate all the positives, all the accomplishment that Trump has been able to do here. The last couple of years, it'll negate the economy, it'll negate President Trump on foreign policy, Singapore, and everything else. You know, So I believe that the wall is a symbol. To me, this is a no-brainer that if Trump doesn't get wall funding, it's going to be a major, major slap in the face to the Republicans. If Democrats around the country campaign and say Trump's signature promise was the wall, build the wall, that was his whole campaign. That was it. Now, obviously, there's a lot more to it, but that's the symbol. And if they say, look, 
his signature promise and his own Republican in Congress and Senate refused to fund it. That's going to be big egg on their face. That's going to be a huge blow to the Republicans. I don't know how the Wall Street Journal is missing this. Number two, people like Trump's policies because they're good for the country. If there's a shutdown for a few days, they're still going to look at the overall package. They're going to look at the booming economy, the low unemployment race, uh, rates. They're going to look at how tough Trump has been with foreign policy, how strong he's been, and how much of a game changer he's been doing things that Obama and Bush and Clinton were too afraid to do. North Korea, Iran, etc. So people are going to, one shutdown is not going to negate all that. And by the way, what about the fact that Trump can flip this all around on the Democrats? The shutdown in January, what happened? Trump got out there and he said, listen, we're offering Schumer and Pelosi a deal to help DACA, to help the Dreamers. And they're refusing. You had people protesting in the streets in front of Schumer's house because the Democrat Senate and congressmen threw the Hispanics under the bus. They've been fighting for immigration all these years. Trump trying to finally gave them a chance, and they said, you know what, we don't want a DACA deal because we refuse to fund the wall. Many Democrats were outraged, so a government shutdown. If Trump and the Republicans play it correctly, I know the media is tough. I know the media, of course, is always going to blame the Republicans and blame Trump. But the fact is that if they're smart about it and strategic, they can flip it around and actually make it make the Democrats take the blame for a government shutdown. So anyway, we'll see how it all goes. Remember, Trump did threaten a shutdown earlier in the year, I think in May, when he didn't get funding for a wall, and then he anti-backed down and he signed the bill. So we're going to have to see. Threatened to veto it, then he signed it. Okay, the Manafort trial, tax evasion and bank fraud in Ukraine a decade ago before Trump even announced his candidacy. This is a joke. This is not should never be under Mueller's jurisdiction. Does anybody care? Look, they were trying to press pressure Manafort into basically flipping on Trump, squealing on him, and he clearly didn't bite, didn't take the bait. Why is Mueller still in charge of the Manafort trial? They tried. It didn't work. This has nothing to do with Trump, collusion, Russia, or anything the special counsel was appointed to do. Give it over to some small two-bit, you know, newbie prosecutor somewhere, and let's move on. Why do we have to waste Mueller's precious time and precious dollars on this Manafort, ridiculous Manafort trial. All right, anyway, I'll try to keep you updated uh, on the uh, details of the Manafort trial as they unfold, but I just want to warn you, I don't have a lot of patience for it, so you may have to go elsewhere for it. We'll have to see. Okay, a, a uh, former FBI official is upset at Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani said that collusion is not a crime, and he's 100% right. Collusion is not a crime. So this FBI official, in other words, there's no crime where it says, you may not collude with Russia. And this former FBI official says, what's Giuliani talking about? He's playing semantical games. Collusion and conspiracy, conspiracy to commit a crime, that's a crime. Collusion and conspiracy are synonymous. So how can he say, yeah, collusion's not a crime? You won't find the technical word collusion if you look in the books, in the law books, but you will find the word conspiracy, which is the same thing. And he doesn't get it. This FBI director, he's the one playing the game. What Giuliani means is very simple. Many people have made this point. Collusion, when you collude with Russia, if there's no underlying crime, it's not conspiracy. It's not con considered a crime to just get together with Russia and plan things. You know, if they were planning a luncheon, that would be colluding with, Ru with Russia to try to make a luncheon, to make a barbecue, who knows what, you know, to, have a, to hold a concert. That's colluding, but that's not a crime. That's not conspiring. To conspire, you actually have to commit a crime. So, for example, Giuliani, the context was this meeting that Trump, that Don Jr. had with the Russian lawyer, where they were promised her dirt on Hillary. That is collusion. They were colluding to sabotage Hillary's campaign. But there's no underlying crime. There's no crime in revealing dirt about your opponent. In fact, it happens all the time. In fact, that's what Hillary was doing when she funded the Christopher Steele dossier, the bogus dossier, to try to... Uh, 
spread dirt, false dirt, on President Trump. So that's what Giuliani means. This FBI official clearly has an agenda, but he understands exactly what Giuliani's point is. All right. Big news out of Iran. The Revolutionary Guards have called on President Rouhani to stop the Rial from crashing, to stop the economic crisis. I don't know what he can do other than caving into Trump, getting together to prevent the sanctions, the sanctions that are looming right now, set to take an effect, uh, take effect August 6th. They are really already se severely devaluing Iranian currency and causing massive economic problems. Basically, the entire marketplace in Tehran has shut down and these people are just protesting and the Revolutionary Guards have said enough is enough. This is very rare for them to have this public rebuke against President Rouhani. He's under major pressure and I don't see any way around this as long as these sanctions are going to be in effect and President Trump is squeezing Iran and pressuring them like almost never we've never seen before. I don't see any way out for Iran. Look, I've been, you know, we've been surprised before with this kind of thing, so we'll keep an eye on it. Meanwhile, Trump says he'll meet with Iran with no preconditions. Now, about an hour after he announced that, Mike Pompeo said, well, actually, there are conditions. There, we have conditions. Trump will meet with, with Iran, but he has conditions. Condition number one, they have to agree to treat the Iranian people in a more humanitarian way. And condition number two, they have to be willing to accept a nuclear deal that actually stops proliferation instead of a bogus nuke deal like Obama had. Now, Pompeo, Trump said, no preconditions. Part of me believes that this is really all planned out strategically, that they want to have the good cop, bad cop deal, where Pompeo says, I have all these conditions around, and President Trump like comes in and says, nah, you know, no conditions, it's fine, it's all good, we'll just meet, what's the big deal? And that way, you know, it makes it more sort of appealing to Iran to take the offer from President Trump, because he looks like he's being the good guy and being the softy. Now, here's where it gets interesting. I'm perfectly okay with Trump meeting with Iran without preconditions. It happened with North Korea, and that seems to be working out just fine. So, you know, we have to wait and see. I'm not saying it's a done deal, but the point is we're not losing anything. We're not getting any weaker. We're not legitimizing them. Nothing changes when you have this. You know, the Iranians, they're a legitimate threat. That's not going to change. Now, when Obama, back in 2008, said, I'm going to meet with Iran with no preconditions, and we're going to negotiate them into stopping their nuclear program, I thought that was completely wrong. I was very opposed to that. The difference is Obama was coming from a position of weakness. He was apologetic. He went around to all the Arab countries apologizing for America acting like this strong world leader that they are. You know, he bent over backward to try to make America weak and, you know, to try to be ap apologetic and to try to not, you know, impose Americans, the American system on all these other countries. And you know, Obama in general had a very weak tone. It was clear that he refused to have a military option on the table going into Iran with regime change. He didn't want to threaten them. So he had these kid gloves and look how it played out exactly at my worst fears came to fruition because in the end, Obama did sign this bogus deal with Iran. They're, meanwhile, they're building centrifuges as we speak. They All they did was press pause. Benjamin Netanyahu laid out in detail all the stuff stolen from the Mossad by the Mossad from Iran that details how their nuclear program is basically, you know, just ready, just ready to be put back into effect at a moment's notice, as the Iranians keep reminding us, and if that happens, they might be months away from long-range missiles and a nuclear warhead on top of it that could go anywhere on the planet. So Obama really gave Iran more nuclear power than we ever could have imagined. 
And that's exactly what happened. If Trump negotiates with Iran, I'm not worried he's going to cave in. I'm not worried that he's going to give them a bogus deal. I'm not worried that President Trump is going to be weak with Iran the way Obama was. So so having a meeting without any preconditions to me is not dangerous if it's being done by somebody who's strong, who you have confidence in, who will be tough, negotiate. Does anybody worry that Trump will get you know, uh, outsmarted by Iran in negotiations? Of course not. With Obama, who had basically never negotiated, the most negotiating he'd ever done was ordering lunch at a restaurant. Of course that was a huge concern. All right. Uh, One listener pointed out, you know, I read the LA Times article about the booming economy, the GDP, and they threw in, oh, but you know, the Republicans have to stop cutting taxes. And this listener pointed out, great point, you know, the tax cuts are part of the reason, a big part of the reason that the economy is booming right now. And they're saying, all right, Great, the economy is booming. Great, let's tax these people. Let's take their money and use it for the government. And it's like so backward, so twisted. That's exactly why we have the booming economy. Their mindset of let's just tax and tax and tax and take the money away. That's what made the economic mess in the first place. And if you do that, all you're going to do is revert back to the way it was. So I thought that's a great point in the same breath that they're praising Trump's incredible economic growth. They're attacking the reason, the underlying reason behind the growth, which was the Trump tax cuts. All right. And finally, North Korea, there's a story which uh, U.S. spy agencies have these satellite photos that suggest that North Korea is constructing new missiles at a factory. This factory was where they produced, North Korea had produced their first intercontinental ballistic missiles, which are capable of reaching the United States. And now there are spy photos, satellite photos that suggest that they're creating more missiles. Now, here's a quote from, I guess it's Microsoft News, quote, the new intelligence does not suggest an expansion of North Korea's capabilities but shows that work on advanced weapons is continuing weeks after President Trump declared that Pyongyang was no longer a nuclear threat. Ha ha, gotcha. He said they were no longer a threat. Well, they're not expanding their capabilities, but work is continuing. And Secretary of State Pompeo acknowledged, this is a quote from the article, in testimony at at the Senate that North Korean factories continue to produce fissile material used in making nuclear weapons. And uh, during a summit, again, quoting with, Trump in June, Kim Jong-un agreed to a vaguely worded pledge to work toward denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. But since then, North Korea has made few tangible moves signaling an intention to disarm. Basically, this this very biased leftist Microsoft News story, MSN story, is basically trying to suggest that, you know, Trump got taken, he got hosed by Kim Jong-un. And, you know, yeah, sure, they promised that they're going to work toward denuclearization, but they don't really mean it and they haven't shown anything. Listen, folks, folks. He'd have to, Kim Jong Un would have Rocket Man. Kim Jong Un would have to be out of his mind to just completely halt production altogether right now, because then he loses any leverage he has, any bargaining power he has. He has to keep things running until there's a deal in place. He has to keep things going because otherwise he looks weak, and he knows that. If, you know, if he came to you and asked you strategically from a negotiating standpoint. What should he do working with President Trump? Should he just stop and show good faith and just stop all of his nuclear and missile developing activities? Or should he keep that going so that Trump has more of a sense of urgency to negotiate with him and give him some of the stuff that he wants in return for denuclearizing? So this was bound to happen. And they themselves admit it. You know, they try to gloss over it, but they say it does not suggest an expansion of North Korea's capabilities, but work on advanced weapons is continuing. That's supposed to happen. Nobody said otherwise. So again, Good old mainstream media, they find these satellite photos where North Korea is doing exactly what we'd expect them to do. And this is a big story because Trump declared that they're no longer longer a nuclear threat. Now, Trump's wording was strong. He does that. He uses hyperbole. 
clearly they are still a nuclear threat. That's fine. You can make that argument that, you know, he spoke a little bit too soon. He got giddy, got excited. You know, he was very on a, very, on a real high after Singapore because this was such a historic thing and because no president has ever gotten even close to this point. Does it mean we're going to go all the way? We've got wait and see. Let's be cautious. Understood. But, you know, again, the media, this story is a non-story, but of course the media is going to build it up, you know, because they th this was such an, a, a massive historic, unprecedented accomplishment by President Trump, and they're going to do everything they can to try to deflate it and to try to make it look like President Trump was taken for a ride. All right, another good one today, I think. That's going to do it. My name is Yaakov M.